Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, current and future PAs, to the PA the FI Way podcast. This is episode two, and we are going to review how to figure out your why of FI, tracking your expenses, finding out what your net worth is, and how to cut costs to save more by using different general concepts of FI and keeping the things that you value along the way. So for a brief recap of what FI is. FI stands for financial independence, which is the point at which a person or couple reaches when their total amount saved is 25 times their expected yearly expenses. We reviewed this in episode one, so if you haven't tuned in to episode one, take a listen. So it's very important to try to figure out why you want to try to achieve financial independence. This definitely is a personal decision that you have to make. So even if you may absolutely love your PA job, perhaps you would like to cut back to working part-time so you can spend more time with your kids, or perhaps you would like to be able to work on your hobbies more so during the week instead of only on the weekends, or perhaps you would like to retire early to spend more time with your family. Again, this decision needs to be personalized for you, so it's important to try to figure out why you're working towards financial independence. For me personally, although I really enjoy working as a PA, I do not see myself working as a PA for another 30 plus years. Figuring out your why of FI will help you to get back your time, which is our non-renewable resource. So it's important that you use your time to do the hobbies and things that you truly want to do. Unfortunately, I've heard of too many stories about people passing away either when they're very young or right before they retire or right after they retire and that they and their family cannot continue to do those things that they planned for. For example, both my father and my husband's father passed away at young ages My father was in his early 60s, and my husband's father was in his early 50s. So my husband and I both truly recognize the importance of trying to figure out what we want to do in life and not wait for retirement to do that just because you have no idea if you will actually make it to retirement age. So this is your chance to ponder what you would do if you never had to work again to earn another dollar. One of the first things to do along your financial independence journey is to track your expenses. Now, you may be thinking, oh man, this is starting to sound awfully like this is turning into a talk about budgets, spreadsheets, and math. 
well, trust me, I know exactly how you feel. I absolutely loathe and hate budgeting, and so does my husband. So if we can do this, you definitely can too. It's definitely an important first step to figure out where you are, to figure out where you can be going. Why it is important to start off by tracking your expenses is the following situation. For every $100 you shave off of your monthly budget, you cut an extra $30,000 from your total financial independence goal. Can you believe that? A measly $100 per month can shave off $30,000 of your total goal. So we are going to discuss how not only to shave $100 off of your monthly budget, but up to a thousand or potentially thousands of dollars to help you achieve financial independence sooner. But first, let's think how you would track your expenses. Most recommend that you track your expenses for anywhere between three to six months. You want to start by thinking of every single recurring monthly or yearly expense or bill that you have had and write it down or use a spreadsheet if you're more tech savvy. Consider many of your mandatory spending items such as mortgage or rent, car payment, cell phone payment, cable, satellite subscriptions, internet bill, utility bills, various insurance payments, and that good old student loan payment. If you need help remembering, you can pull up your bank statements or your credit card statements. Now consider recurring expenses that are not necessarily fixed amounts. These would be items including groceries, gas, clothes, shoes, personal care products, laundry and cleaning supplies, etc. And then there are discretionary expenses such as eating out at restaurants, entertainment, or self-care items. Obviously, your expenses will vary month to month, so that is why it is suggested to try to track your expenses for about three to six months. After you have done this, take a look at the discretionary expenses, or what I like to call the fluff. The fluff includes things like getting your hair done, getting your nails done, eating out at restaurants frequently, purchasing a lot of clothes or shoes. And then there are the bones of your budget, such as your student loan payment, mortgage, rent, utilities, etc. Now the next step is to consider how much you truly value the fluff. Some of you may be looking at some of your fluff items, and the thought of taking those away might be causing you to experience some palpitations. If so, that's completely okay, because the next step is to consider, do you really value the fluff? For example, some may truly value having a gym membership, while others would say they don't necessarily want to pay for a gym membership, but could rather complete free exercises from YouTube in the comfort of their own home. Others may think that they truly value dining out at restaurants quite frequently. My husband and I used to fall into this category. We ate out at restaurants many times a week, but doing so is quite costly. If you enjoy going to restaurants to meet friends or family there, consider inviting them over to your house and cook a dinner with a new recipe that you found on Pinterest. After you have tracked your expenses and considered which of the fluff you enjoy versus could get rid of, the next step is to find out what your net worth is. Now, this exercise may be somewhat depressing, especially if your net worth is at a negative number, which for most it can be, especially right after PA school. 
However, again, it's an important step to figure out where you are so you can see where you are along the way in your journey to financial independence. A simple formula to finding out what your net worth is, is to add up all of your assets and subtract all of your liabilities, and that number equals your net worth. An asset is something that you own that has monetary value, and a liability is something that you still owe money on. Some examples of assets would include the amount of money that you have in your retirement accounts, the equity that you have in your home, the amount in your HSA, the value of any vehicles that you own outright, and some examples of liabilities would include the amount you still owe on your mortgage, your student loan amount, and any credit card debt that you owe. Now, this process can be a bit tedious, and some will choose to enter all of this information into spreadsheets, but there are a few net worth trackers out there, and the one that I use is called Personal Capital. Personal Capital is a free service, and you're able to sync various accounts into your personal capital account, such as your retirement accounts, bank accounts, your mortgage, your HSA, and then it can show you quickly and effectively where your net worth is. I started my personal capital account to track my net worth towards the beginning of a bear market once the COVID-19 pandemic started. So I actually did see my total net worth take a nosedive, but then it did increase and continue to rise, which has been motivating to me to continue on my journey to reach financial independence. So let's go back to the point where you were tracking your expenses and figuring out where your current budget is at. Again, I hate the word budget, but there is a way to budget that can allow you to get a generalized goal of budgeting without having to be super tedious and meticulous in putting in every single line item for your expenses. This strategy would be to focus on what I like to call the big three budget items. For most Americans, the big three budget items include housing, transportation, and food. And many spend over 61% of their incomes on these three categories alone. So if you're able to reduce expenses in these three categories, you likely will be able to cut costs in your budget while being able to save more and invest wisely to reach financial independence sooner. Let's first discuss housing. The first decision that you would have to make would be whether you are going to rent for a period of time or whether you are going to buy a house with a mortgage. For example, if you are in PA school in another state besides your home state and you don't necessarily think that you will live there once you're done with PA school, then likely renting is an excellent option for you. Whether you decide to rent or to purchase a house, consider utilizing the concept of geo-arbitrage to help benefit you. Geo-arbitrage is the notion of moving either to a different town, a different state, or perhaps even a different country to experience a lower cost of living, which can drastically help increase your savings. In a lower cost of living place, both the rent and the cost of a home are likely cheaper than more expensive places. Let's take California and New York as examples. Both of those states can be very costly to dwell in. However, if a PA were to consider moving to the Midwest, they likely can find more affordable living and possibly even increased income if the area has a shortage of providers. You can also use geo-arbitrage within your home state. Now let's consider myself as an example. 
I already do live in the Midwest and live in a suburb of one of the major cities in our state. However, that means that our property taxes are currently very high because we live in the same county as one of the major cities in our state. If we were to move between five to 10 minutes west of us or one county over, then our property taxes would be significantly less. As I had mentioned, some will choose to move to a more affordable country for geo-arbitrage. The list of PA-friendly countries where PAs are able to practice is growing every single year, and some of the current countries that PAs can practice in include Canada, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Ghana, and South Africa. Otherwise, if you do not feel as though you'd want to move to a country to practice as a PA, perhaps once you reach FIRE or financial independence and you decide to retire early, perhaps you will move to a more affordable country so that your savings goes further. This would allow your FI number to be lower. Some affordable regions are Central and South America, as well as Southeast Asia. The next part of reducing housing costs is a concept of house hacking. House hacking is the idea of renting out a portion of your residence to offset the cost of your home. Some people will choose to purchase a duplex or a triplex and live in one of those areas while renting out the rest of the unit to tenants. Or you could purchase a whole home and rent out a room or a space to roommates or tenants as well. The generated income from house hacking will likely cover most, if not all, of your mortgage. And if that's the case, it would allow you to live for free while building equity in your property. Housing costs consume approximately one-third of people's living expenses. So these are different ways that you can cut those costs to help reach financial independence sooner. The next item on our list of the big three budget items is transportation. Transportation covers quite the spectrum of different options, but you obviously want to pick transportation that is cost-effective yet reliable. Some hardcore members of the FI community don't even own a vehicle as they choose to walk to work, bike to work, or use public transportation. If you do choose to drive a vehicle, the general consensus is to consider buying a slightly older used vehicle as this is likely the most cost-effective option. Once you purchase this vehicle, ideally, you would drive this vehicle for several years before purchasing another one. New vehicles lose value immediately once they are driven off the lot. Now, some of you may be asking, what about leasing? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I have personal experience with this. Leasing a vehicle sucks money from your income every single month, which would add to your monthly expenses. When you lease a vehicle or buy a new vehicle, you are the one who is taking the large hit on the depreciation, whereas if you were to buy a used vehicle, someone has already done that for you. Again, it's very important, though, that your used vehicle is a dependable one. You certainly need a dependable vehicle during PA school and for rotations and once you start working as a PA. During PA school, I did have an older used vehicle that was a Hyundai Elantra, and I drove back and forth between my home state and the state that I went to PA school in quite frequently. Then, unfortunately, a couple of years after practicing as a PA, my husband and I decided to get a new vehicle for me, and unfortunately, we let lifestyle creep allow us to want a new vehicle. Lifestyle creep is the concept of Once your income increases, often, unfortunately, your spending increases as well. So it's important to try to prevent lifestyle creep as much as possible. So one of our biggest financial blunders so far is leasing a brand new vehicle. 
let me set the stage of this decision. Again, during undergrad and PA school, I drove a used vehicle throughout many winters. So when we decided to get a newer vehicle, we decided we needed a larger vehicle that could handle better in the snow and on icy roads, and that could also pull a trailer just in case one of my husband's trucks stopped working. Our vehicle search ultimately led us to a popular SUV model. At the time, we decided that leasing may be a good idea as it seemed as though we were essentially renting a vehicle for a period of time, and most vehicles do not appreciate in value, unlike houses. So that was our logic. We tested out a few vehicles and my dear husband got convinced that we should upgrade to the newer version of the SUV that has a more powerful engine, a sunroof, a better stereo system, but also this feature where it can actually park itself. Yes, the vehicle can park itself both with parallel parking and 90 degree back parking. And do you know how many times we've used that feature since we've gotten this leased vehicle? You're right, exactly zero times. Currently, we have leased the vehicle now for three years, and we just have a few more months left of the lease. Then after that, we are going to be using a used vehicle. At the time three years ago when we were vehicle shopping, it was so easy to be persuaded that I had been working hard and deserved to drive a new vehicle after driving the somewhat chintzy car for nine years. Again, try not to let lifestyle creep affect your financial decisions. The third and final item of the big three budget items is the category of food along with beverages. Let's review some barriers to saving on the cost of food for a lot of people. The first is time. It does take time to purchase food and time to prepare or cook the food. It even takes time to literally create the grocery list before you go grocery shopping. My husband and I personally hate grocery shopping, so we will often use food delivery service such as Shipt. Sure, we do pay a little bit more to have the food delivered. However, this is something that we value because we dislike grocery shopping so much and dislike wasting our time to go to the grocery store. The next barrier to trying to save cost in the budget item of food and beverages is the concept of ease. It is just so easy to go to a restaurant or a fast food drive through to get dinner instead of preparing a meal at home. After a long day of seeing patients, cooking dinner is not necessarily at the top of the things I look forward to when getting home. However, I really do like to use Pinterest to find nutritious yet super easy to prepare meals. A lot of people in the Phi community will choose to cook larger batches of food so that they can use leftovers for future meals throughout the week. Others will choose to meal prep on the weekends. Another hindrance to saving in the category of food and beverages is the concept that a lot of people view these as celebratory in nature. It is part of our American culture to want to go out to a restaurant to celebrate good news, birthdays, or holidays. If you do decide to still go to a restaurant, consider a place that is more affordable than others. Consider ordering something on the appetizer menu as your main meal to save some money. Some will choose to go during a happy hour to enjoy the same food with a lower bill. You could still celebrate various milestones throughout your life by having people over to your house, and often friends or family will 
gladly decide to help bring a side dish, which can turn the meal into a potluck. Trying to reach financial independence is not all about giving things up. It is about figuring out what you truly value. In the food and beverage category, I truly value good coffee. I grew up drinking caribou coffee since I was about a 10-year-old girl. No joke, thanks to my mom for getting me hooked on this type of coffee when I was 10. Instead of going through the drive through of a coffee shop every day to get my daily caffeine fix, I usually brew fresh caribou beans, which the best flavor is mocha java, at home. This allows for delicious tasting coffee at a fraction of the cost. And if you were to decide to go through a drive through let's be honest, how hard is it to only get a coffee beverage instead of getting scones or sandwiches or oatmeal for breakfast as well? Brewing coffee at home really does save in the long run for me, and it's something I truly value. Another suggestion to keeping your beverage cost low is to try to drink more water. As you know, water is incredibly cheap compared to many alternatives such as pop, juice, milk, tea, and coffee. And if you are a current or future PA, I'm sure that you know that there are many benefits of drinking water. I am always amazed how little water many of my patients consume, which means that they are not getting the healthy benefits of drinking water, such as leading to less constipation, preventing kidney stones, or helping to prevent frequent UTIs. If you're able to get a handle on your spending in the big three budget items, you'll soon see how your savings rate can increase drastically, which will allow you to supercharge your path to FI. Another area to focus on cutting costs would be to cut the cable cord. If you use cable or satellite for your TV, you're likely spending way too much. Consider the shows that you actually watch. You likely do not need to be spending as much as you are for cable or satellite. Consider looking into subscription services such as Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, or others. You likely can watch the exact same shows and channels for a fraction of the cost. One of the big hindrances to switching from cable or satellite to a subscription service for us was simply figuring out how to do this. We definitely utilized Google by reading many articles that compared the different types of subscription services as well as articles that reviewed how to switch to them. Another way to reduce recurring costs would be to consider getting a cheaper cell phone plan. Most cell phone plan payments are simply a giant ripoff. It seems as though the four primary cell phone companies have set up a monopoly and charge outrageous prices. However, there are now several alternative cell phone companies available. And guess what? They use the exact same towers as the main four companies do for a fraction of the cost. Now, many of the cheaper cell phone carriers do not offer unlimited data, but I challenge you to look up the actual amount of data you use every single month to find out if you really need an unlimited plan. Another way to save on data usage would be to use Wi-Fi to surf the web, listen to music, and stream videos, or even to make phone calls. Another way to cut costs would be to buy or use previously owned items. Nowadays, there are many different places you can find used items at affordable prices, including Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, or even Facebook groups that have local sales near you. 
There are even groups called buy nothing groups where the members cannot buy or sell items, but rather post items they would like to pass on to others for free or trade for other items. Another suggestion for cutting costs would be to utilize your library. Not only can you rent physical books from your library, but also ebooks, audiobooks, music, and movies. I absolutely love being able to rent a book through my iPad where I don't even have to step foot inside a library. All of these ways that we reviewed to cut your costs can help you increase your savings rate. A higher savings rate helps lessen the time that it will take you to reach financial independence. Once you are saving more money, you then would want to invest in broad-based, low-cost index funds. These types of funds are beneficial because they have very low fees, and fees matter. The more you are paying in fees the longer it's going to take you to reach financial independence. Although we've talked about a lot of ways to cut back on costs, financial independence is not all about restriction. Again, it is about finding what you truly value in life. Consider your hobbies. Many of your hobbies likely are not very quote-unquote fi if they are fairly expensive to do. You could consider trying to find more affordable hobbies, or you can consider that having those hobbies that can be somewhat expensive at times actually allow you to have joy along the journey to financial independence. Again, we are not guaranteed any amount of years in our lives, so it's important to find out what you want to do in your life and enjoy it along the way. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you would like to learn more, I invite you to join the PA the FI way Facebook group or follow me on Instagram at PA the FI way. Thank you for tuning in and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on. But more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.